Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Well, thanks as always for checking us out here on the GM Shuffle. Really appreciate that. What I find is fascinating, I'm sure Mike does as well, is how many tweets we get from people who are obviously listening to the show and know where our preferences lie. The amount of tweets that I got yesterday saying, well, you win some, you lose some. The bad news for Lombardi is the Falcons blow to the lead. The good news is he's proven right as the demise of MVP Mitch seems to be coming to fruition. We'll talk about Nick Foles here in just a second. The Bills, they bounce back with a huge game. And the Bengals and Eagles in a tie. I mean, just... just just a weird weekend of football, Mike, in many ways. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I went 0-3 on my picks. I am sorry to everybody out there. But as Joe Pesci says in The Irishman. It's what it is. Exactly. It's what it is, right? You know, AD, I mean, I, look, I, I don't feel bad. Like, I don't feel like I blew it. Like, I blew the Washington pick. I mean, I'm an idiot for picking Dwayne Haskins. I know he's no good, right? And I went ahead and did that. I violated my code of conduct there. So I, I deserve that, right? Even though my numbers said to do it, it turns the ball over three times, fumbles once. Just give away a game, Dwayne. Please, just feel free to give a game. Especially, you know, where, where you played high college football. Just go right back to Ohio and give away a game. Thank you very much. But, like, I mean, seriously, I, I got a text from somebody last night saying, I feel bad for you. You had two really bad beats. I mean, it's the truth. I mean, I'm sitting there up 26 to 16. With, with Sunday's 26 to 12 with Atlanta, me and my Bill, man, Bill, you know, we're, oh, we got this one. This is pretty good, right? And then Nick Foles comes in and we're like, holy shit, this is not going to be good. This is not going to be. I knew the ending of that story. In fact, I knew the ending of that story. I said to Bill, Bill, what's the in game bet on Chicago right now? He says, if you bet Chicago right now, you get 11 and a half points. And like two fucking chooches, we, we don't, he could have, I don't bet. He could have hedged his bet and bet it, right? Like we're sitting there and it was a gift, right? Hedge it for 50 bucks or whatever. Anyway, so I lose that one. And then the last, the Dallas game last night, I mean, was that more, that you know, miss two missed extra points, a safety, you give up a touchdown and the two point conversion because you get to, look, as Joe Pesci says, AD, it's what it is. Exactly. And as we've said before, like just <laughs> we just wish we could have tasted that salad that Joe Pesci is making in the Irishman. Like, what, what kind of protocol did he have, Mike? Especially in today's world, we can't do anything with COVID-19. But imagine he just went to the hotel manager and said, you know, I'm going to go behind the bar. I'm going to make this salad right now for me and my friend. It's a good thing we bought this olive oil. You know, it's a good thing we got this. And then the, the Kamala, the best, the the, 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 the best, the best. <laughs> so good. It's one of my favorite scenes. That and and, and Pacino eating ice cream. That Those two, obviously, being a fat guy that I am, everything involves food I enjoy. So anyway, week three, here we come. I can't wait, AD. Uh you're not a fat guy. We all love ice cream. But yes, the way that Pacino just wants to be left alone to eat his ice cream. That's all I know now about Jimmy Hoffa. He had really bad temper, loved his ice cream. Uh, let's dive into the football. Nick Foles, baby. Here's the thing. I don't know if I trust him as a starting quarterback. I mean, look at the history. Whenever he's been a starting quarterback, you go, mm, not the same guy. But when you bring him off the bench, baby, nobody lights it up like Nick Foles. And the Falcons, once again, piss away a lead. 16-point advantage. 16 points in the final six and a half minutes as the Bears come rolling back with Nick Foles. Three touchdown passes as Atlanta a week ago, Mike, we were pummeling them for the fact they couldn't get the onside kick in that Cowboys game. And now they're 0-3. They are the first team in NFL history to lose back-to-back games in which they led by 15 or more points in the final quarter. I mean, that is incredible to think just how bad they've been at just blowing these things late. And also, we can start to shove some dirt here on Mitch Trubisky. 13 of 22 for 128, one touchdown, one pick. That's a 71.8 passer rating. Foles comes in 16 of 29 for 88 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, a 99.2% passer rating. Let's hear first from Matt Nagy when he was asked, is Foles going to start in week four? We, we haven't yet, Jeff. I think that's what, what we'll do is we'll go back and just kind of enjoy this one right now, and then we'll we'll talk through where we're at, what we think is the best decision moving forward. We're not we're not honestly we're not we're not there right now, but I think that uh, you know there's something here that that we just got to discuss and and again just just go through and talk through the, the situation and understand that there's uh, these feelings that these kids are going through right now, and and I think we just want to enjoy the win tonight. 
Matt, Mike, there's no way in hell that Nick Foles is not starting game four. Are you kidding me? MVP, Mitch, it's been fun. Is he nuts? Talk through what? You know, he said he had a gut instinct to, to make the move. Gut instinct? You've been watching this guy play for three years. He's not good enough. You got a gut instinct? Like, seriously, the only reason you started him to start the season is because Ryan Pace told you you had to start him. I mean, we can pretend this comp, oh, it was competition and Mitchell won. It wasn't competition. It was politics. We had to start him. And you're you're sitting there watching him. He threw his one for six on third down in the first half. He's horrible. He can't play the position of quarterback. Make him a fucking free safety if you want. He's not good enough. You had a gut instinct? There's no gut instinct. You're watching this guy for three years. Your career's going down the tubes because you're clinging it to this guy. And then you make a move, which give him credit, enough balls. He got some big ones. Go in there, make a move. Great. Awesome. Put him in. And now you're going to contemplate it on the plane? I mean, give me a break. Contemplate what? What are you contemplating? If he walks into that team meeting on Wednesday and says, fellas, I've given this a lot of thought, you know, and I, I really think MVP Mitch gives us the best chance to win this game this week, fellas. So let's go win one for the Gipper. They would fight. You talk about it. You talk about get egged, you know? I mean, you remember the scene in Animal House where they had the food fight? I mean, that's what would be going on in that locker room. It would be shit be flying everywhere. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, just put them out to pasture. It happens. We make mistakes. We all do it all the time. Nobody's... Now, the biggest mistakes is when you make them twice. Chicago, they make them four times. Could you imagine if you do that? You know, Mitch gives us the best chance to win this week. Are you serious? Are you serious? If, if he says that, the Bears should hire a police escort for Nagy to go to and from work. <laughs> like you said, if he actually had the guts to start him or the stupidity to start him, it'd be a mutiny on the bounty. I mean, it's just, you've seen enough evidence. I get the fact that publicly Mike, he's going to say, yeah, we'll go through it. Like, I, I get it. Fine. You just don't want to bury Trubisky publicly. But like you said, there's 0% chance Trubisky starts. I, I couldn't imagine it happening after the way the foals looked. AD, when he said that, I'm thinking of Carlo. When Michael's asking Carlo, he says, you know, so tell me, who are you with? And, and Carlo, and then Michael says, don't insult my intelligence. You know, like, Matt, don't insult our intelligence. Tell don't insult Shire's our husband. intelligence that you're actually going to go back to MVP Mitch. I mean, don't be Carlo on us. You know, I mean, we're smart. We can do business. You know, I mean, we're not like they say. We understand that he stinks. We're going with Nick Folk. I like it. Matt Nagy from now on is going to be Carlo Rizzi from The Godfather. We just christened a new nickname there by the fact that he was insulting our intelligence. I love it. Marrying Talia Shire. Um, let's hear what Dan Quinn had to say. I mean, listen, for God's sakes, was coaching to blame or what? Well, number one, Zach, every, it falls on me in, in all spaces. I want to make sure we're clear on that. But uh, we're all in this together. And so when there's a game... Um, there's things to do differently offensively, defensively on team. So uh, we are all connected on it together. But uh, at the end of the game, the results and, uh, you know, setting up things for how we'll go, that, that falls right through me. Dan Quinn officially on the hot seat. I'm surprised he has a job right now. The Falcons got off to a terrible start last year, closed well, which saved DQ's gig. Mike, this is embarrassing. I know it's not all on one man. I totally get that. Coaches take too much blame and sometimes receive too much credit, but this is inexcusable. Seriously. Yeah, I mean, look, he, you know, he gets, gets the interception in the end zone, falls, throws the interception. It's ruled a touchdown. At 26, at 26 to, uh, I think it was 26 to 12 at that time. It's ruled a touchdown. They review it, make the right call. It wasn't a touchdown. It was an interception. Now I get the ball back. There's 10-23 to go in the game. I have the ball. I'm Atlanta. And Nick Foles is in the game. And if I'm Dan Quinn and I'm telling Dirk Cotter, look, Dirk, this guy's going to move the ball on us. I mean, this is when he's at his best. It's, you know, he's a relief pitcher. He's not a starter. You know, they're going to air it out. They're going to take all the chances they can. We've got to be able, we, we, we need more than 26 to win this game. We need more than 26 to win this game. And so they come out, they run two runs, they throw a third a pass, incomplete, boom, punt back. Now it's, 20, now it's 26 to 16 with six minutes to go in the game, right? Again. We got to get points here, Dirk. We got to get points. Now, understand they don't have Julio Jones. They lose Russell Cage. They lost some guys in the game. I get all that. But we all lose players. And then they can't move the football. 
And then all of a sudden, the Bears come right back down and make it 26 to 23. And the next thing you know, they they can't do anything with the ball once they have it after 26 to 23. I mean, and so just things start to fall apart on you. And, and, and you know it's coming. I mean, you know I'm sitting on the couch and I know it's coming. I mean, I'm sitting on the couch and I know it's coming. But, you know, when you when you get the ball in the second half after you missed a field goal, right, you, you get a turnover, you get a turnover, right? And, and so let's just go through the drive chart of the second half for the Falcons. They intercept the pass, right? They get a field goal. They go four plays, they get one yard. They intercept another pass. They go five plays, they've got a punt, okay? They enter, then in the fourth quarter, they go seven plays, they miss a field goal. Then they get the ball back on downs. They go three plays punt. Then, then they get the ball on a kickoff, three plays punt. Then they get the ball on a kickoff again, three plays punt. I mean, you could say whatever you want about blow. I mean, your offense, blew, you had a chance. You, the second half, you had basically two turnovers that you get, and you got the ball on downs, and you can't do anything with it. I mean, you know, it, it, they deserve exactly what they got, a loss. Give, give Chicago credit. I mean, I give Nagy all the credit for this because he had the balls to make the move. I mean, he had the balls to make the move. And yet – you know, they did everything in their power to try to to try to lose the game. And they went three, they went three drives in a row. Nine plays, three plays, five plays, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Amazing that that happened. Like you said, it, it goes back to Nagy having the guts to make the decision. And moving forward, I can't imagine he doesn't make that same decision. And Foles will be the guy. Speaking of bouncing back in a big way, the Buffalo Bills. Bills and Rams, a tale of two halves. So Buffalo up 28 to three in the third quarter. Rams did not go quietly. Controversial John Johnson, the third interception. Jared Goff and company rallying Los Angeles back. They take a 32-28 lead. And then Josh Allen leads the Bills on a game-winning drive. Controversial pass interference penalty. And they end up coming through in a thriller, 35-32. Josh Allen, 24-33 for 3-11, four touchdown passes. He's a guy hand in 12 touchdowns. That's the most in team history through the first three games of the season. Jim Kelly had the record of 10 back in 1991. Take a listen first, though, to what Sean McVay had to say about using this loss as a learning lesson for the Rams. I saw a resilient group. I saw a team that stayed connected when you go down 28-3 against a really good football team, and they just kept battling. They kept swinging. I hate it for our guys that it ended up the way that it did and came down to some of the things that it came down to. But uh, we're a tough group. We're a mentally tough group. We're going to use this as an opportunity to respond, uh, and we're not going to allow the Bills to beat us twice. Well, I also understand what McVay is saying. They're trying to stay optimistic. But, Mike, a loss is a loss. I mean, the fact that you came back, great. we got to hang on for the lead, but the end of the thing. Yeah, I mean, look, there's look, Josh Allen's accuracy this year has been deadly. Right. And he's been really good throwing the football down the field. He has some of those bad throws, but he has way too many good throws now. And this game was really lost. I mean, the Rams didn't punt the entire game. They didn't punt the entire game and they lost. And here's why they lost. The Buffalo Bills were five for five in the red zone, five for five when they get to the red zone. You know, and that's how you lose games. If you can't hold teams to field goals, if you can't, you know, make plays on critical downs, especially in the red zone, you're going to lose. And it's a great comeback for the Rams. Granted, I mean, they gained 400 and almost 500 yards in the game. You know, they bounce back. They never punt, you know, so much for the long trip because they actually got better in the second half than they were in the first half. And so they were able to do it. So, you know, look, the NFL on week three, it was a lot of offensive football. Once again, there's six teams that haven't been called for holding yet. So we saw a lot of good offensive football. I think both teams have liabilities with their defense. But, you know, this is about Josh Allen's accuracy and his ability to make plays. And I think Brian Dayball, you know, deserves a ton of credit. I mean, he's done an offense with this team. And 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 their front office deserves credit. The Stefan Diggs deal really has helped their offense tremendously. He gives them... He's made Beasley a better player. You know, he's made, I mean, this Gabriel Davis kid they drafted from Central Florida has been really good for them. So, you know, I, I think it's been a really good blend of young and old on their team. And the and the Diggs deal really helped them become a better offense. And let's face it, for Josh Allen to only throw nine incomplete passes in a game, that's pretty remarkable considering where he was. So take your hat off. He's playing great. And, uh, you know, the Rams bounce back. Look, 
I, I can't take anything away from the Rams. I mean, the Rams had a chance. It, and, and the game never comes down to one call, right? I mean, they got the call against Dallas on opening weekend. They didn't get this call this weekend. Okay, so it all evens out, you know? It, you know, it, it all comes out. But the reality of it is, is when you're sitting on that plane ride back to Los Angeles, your red zone defense is what cost you the game. No question about it. Aaron Donald, by the way, was spectacular. Two sacks, important force fumble and recovery, but the Rams go down. Here's what Sean McDermott had to say about Josh Allen's performance. So far, Josh Allen has been tremendous this season. Listen, at the end of the day, to come back in the NFL and win the game, is it's tough to do, and he's now done it twice in the last two weeks. All right, so Buffalo Bills, they move on, and they're feeling themselves pretty good. How about the Bengals and the Eagles? Wow. I, I'm sitting there, Mike, in Buffalo Wild Wings in Precipity, New Jersey, watching this game going, are you kidding me? This was just disgusting football. And yet somehow, someway, Philadelphia had a chance to win it. Because Carson Wentz dove in the end zone, tying score on the final minute. And then Jay Kelly lines up for a 59-yarder, but a false start on Matt Pryor. And all of a sudden you go, well, the Eagles aren't going to kick a 64-yarder. You punt it away. Both teams are 0-2-1. Carson Wentz throwing two more interceptions. But again, he's got no help. And you look at the offensive line, the lack of playmakers. Before we dive into the Eagles, take a listen to what Doug Peterson had to say, why he punted at the end of the game instead of at least trying for a 64-yard field goal. We tried to go for the field goal, the game winner. That was that was the thing. We were going to go for the game winner uh, with the kick. Felt comfortable with Jake, had the wind. Uh, the false start back to sub. So we, we just said, hey, let's just let's – just, uh, uh, punt the football here. We didn't want to give them the ball, you know, towards midfield or even a chance to go for it on fourth down and long, incomplete pass, something like that. They get the ball short field. They could they could kick a field goal and, and win the game. So um, just made that decision. Hopefully something, you know, positive might have might have come out of the, the punt. What'd you make of Doug's decision, Mike? Well, I mean, I, after the show, I went to the uh, Philly uh, breakdown of the game. My man Ray was, he must have gone through 20 legal pads. He was so upset. I mean, <laughs> everybody in Philly wondered why, he, you know, if he would try a 58, why wouldn't he try a 64, you know, or a 63? Because Doug even said in the interview they had wind behind him. I mean, the bigger issue is, is really, I think, you know, like most things that happen, Everyone focuses on the one. Why didn't you do it? First of all, Cincinnati did a great job. They stemmed their their field goal unit. They moved their field goal unit laterally, which then caused Pryor to jump. Give them credit. That was that's a play in their arsenal. Darren Simmons, the the, the special teams coach for the Bengals, that's a really good job by him. And they got him to bite for it. It's it's a Belichick move that he does quite often for the Patriots, and it worked. So that's one. Two, you know, when they had the ball, and it was great, AD, and as you're sitting there eating those Buffalo Wild Wings, I mean, they put the line up there as the field goal line to make, and it was like from 50, it was like from 56 yards. Like, seriously, does anybody on CBS know that making a 56-yarder is almost impossible? I mean, it's damn hard to do. I mean, over 50 yards right now, we're 19 for 33. I mean, it's a hard kick to make, right? Like, and so they get there and they run two direct runs. Like they're setting up for the 58 yarder. Like, seriously, do you really think you're going to make this 58 yarder? I mean, like, that's no gimme putt. Like my criticism for Peterson isn't, isn't, you, you know, you should have kicked the ball. That's really simplistic, right? That's 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 deductive reasoning. But if you want to use inductive reasoning, he should have on second down come up with a play where you can get five, six more yards. You got to get another 10 yards to at least give yourself a chance. I mean, if you don't, you're running, you know, then you basically walk back to the locker room and say, well, we missed a 58 yard and we gave ourselves a chance. Not really. How is that a chance? The goal is never to attempt the field goal. The goal is to make the field goal, right? And so when you're trying to do that, I think the play calling, he got conservative. And, and here's why. I think he was worried about Wentz. He's worried about Wentz tremendously, right? He's worried about Wentz taking a sack and knocking him out of field goal range. I think that's the real issue. I think he's really worried. Uh, he was worried about that. The fact that he didn't try a 63-yarder, seriously, if you try the 63-yarder and you miss it, you know, all they have to do is get one first down and they might be they might be beating you. And then, you know, next thing you know, everybody in Philly's going crazy. Look, here's the reality for Philly. If you're not if you're owing to and you sack the, uh, a rookie quarterback eight times, and you're not good enough to beat the Bengals at home, you know what that means? You're not good enough. You're just not good enough. Your team isn't good enough. You know, Deshaun Jackson hurt again. Jason Peters got hurt again. They had no weapons on offense. I mean, you used a second-round draft pick to draft a luxury player 
at, at backup quarterback because you were infatuated with Taysom Hill. Okay, so you draft him like because you're a quarterback developing program. That's what you are. Well, how about develop some good players on your team? Like that's the problem. They don't have enough good players. You're playing the Bengals. You know, it's I, I, and all I could think about is when I used to get on the, the bus after we lost to Cincinnati in 91, 92, or 93, and Nick Saban would look at me and say, well, what are y'all pissed off about, Michael? And I'm like, because I hate losing to these guys. And he says, like, look, they're better than we are. Once you admit that, we'll get better than them. Like, seriously, once Philadelphia realizes they're no good, they might get better. You know, they're just not any good. You know, and they want to blame Doug Peterson. They want to blame the Carson Wentz. Look, they're all, everybody's to blame. Like, if you want to walk around, if you want to carry the Super Bowl trophy with you for two years and basically tell everybody, you know, you've won it and remind people two years after you've won it that you've won it, then, you know, you're going to pay a price for it because you basically, you're, the store's not being minded. I love the fact that you mentioned the field goal and the misleading line because you're right. With that Buffalo Wild, they were just like, okay, just going to get to that line for the field goal. And this big red line CBS puts up there. I'm like, wait, that's a long field goal to make. I'm like, I'd like to get the ball to the 30, right? Give me a 47 yarder. Okay, then I feel good, better about it so that was one part of it. I'm glad you pointed out and the other part is this the Eagles secondary they thought it would be improved Burrow still threw for 312 passing yards I mean he was slicing and dice when he was in a good mojo as well so you're right there's yeah. plenty of blame to go around but and here's the good news to the Eagles the defense is so excuse me the, the division is so pathetic at 0-2-1 they're better than the Giants they're arguably right there with Washington Dallas is now 1-2 and two. I mean you could conceivably do it but you're right it would take a real miracle to all of a sudden Maybe another eight and eight finish wins the division. I think Dallas is good enough, but Philadelphia realizes they've got to play better football. No doubt. And, you know, like, look, I mean, Burroughs gets, he gets the shit kicked out of him. For some reason, Cincinnati doesn't want to use Joe Mixon. I don't know why, but they just don't want to use him. You know, they can't use him in the passing game for some reason. I mean, Cincinnati, in all honesty, like, seriously, at some point, Cincinnati's got a good team. I'm not sure they have a good coach. They, they, I'm not sure. He's an empty, and his quarterback's getting the shit kicked out of him, eight, eight sacked eight times. They're going to kill the kid. Right. Like get some protection. And then one time he's got a tight end trying to block Derek Barnett. And of course, he gets killed. Like, seriously, like you can't just run plays. It's players and plays. Right. So it looks good on a blackboard because Sean McVay taught you how to run this shit, but it doesn't run the same way. You're going to get this kid killed. You're going to get the kid killed. Eight sacks in this game took a helmet to the chest. I mean, you know, and then look, they're paying A.J. Green 18 million. And, and, and basically, he can't make a play down the field for you. I mean, it's, it's kind of hard. You know, I mean, Cincinnati could be a much better team. They played their hearts out on defense. But here's where they are in Philadelphia, just so we get this really clear. When you talk about their talent level, they had 21 third downs yesterday. 21 third downs. Now, what does that tell us? That tells us this. You can't make any big plays. That tells us when Greg Ward, your leading receiver, you're not any good. You're not any good. I love Greg Ward. Great story. But when he's the best you bring to the dance, you ain't good enough. Leave the dance. Leave the dance. Because it ain't good enough. Like, seriously, when you're in 21 third downs, that means you're a horse and buggy offense. That means you got to get four yards, four yards, four yards. You're not making any plays down the field. So look no further than the locker room. Look at the last three drafts for Philadelphia since they won the Super Bowl. People want to point fingers. Go look at those drafts. Don't read the media because the media is going to tell you how great they do and how wonderful the front office is. Read the draft. Look at them. As Casey Stengel would say, you can look it up. When we come back for a second week in a row, Russell Wilson for MVP. Guy's got five more touchdowns, and the Lions finally snapped their 11-game losing streak. All that more coming up on the GM Shuffle. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings, the crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Great game with the Seattle Seahawks and the Dallas Cowboys. Seattle ends up winning this one 30-31 to is the final. And Patrick Mahomes, spectacular once again. For me, he's the MVP of the league. He's got five touchdown passes, setting a record for the most scoring passes. The first three games of a season with 14. Mahomes had 13 back in 2018 to begin the year. And Wilson, also the first quarterback, might have at least four touchdown passes in each of the first three games. We'll get to Dak Prescott in a second, but clearly anybody who thought this was a matchup of MVPs, the showdown was won by Russell Wilson. He's been tremendous to start the year. I mean, it's unbelievable, right? And, and, and really, basically what's happened, they've unleashed him. There was a monster up in the Northwest that's been living up there for five years and finally they let him out. And, and now no one's going to get it back in. Like he's just so good, right? I mean, the throw he makes to DK Metcalf is like one of the prettiest throws you're ever going to see. That thing was like a rainbow. It looked like a, a Phil Mickelson lob wedge that just went straight up in the air and landed perfectly down on the green. It was unbelievable, you know? But last year, Seattle's 29th in the National Football League in passing attempts in the first half. This year, they're letting him throw the ball. Now, Seattle is not any good on defense. We know this, right? We've been saying it. And, you know, and Dallas had over 500 yards of offense. But the key here is this is where I think Mike McCarthy has a real challenge. When you're as bad as he is on defense right now in terms of coveraging, you can't play 32 minutes of, of defense. You can't. You just can't. You've got to be able to cut the game down. You got to pace the game. You got to get. Zeke Elliott, you've got to be able to slow the game down. You need about 14, 15 third downs because you've got to be able to play 34 minutes of offense, 26. And the only way you really can do that is you've got to get Zeke more than 16 carries and you've got to be able to average more than two nine. Now, in fairness to, to, to Mike is the reality of it is, is he starts two, you know, two fresh, two uh, free agents at tackle, which makes it really hard to do this. But I think if you're Dallas and you want to win the NFC East and it's very winnable based on the other three teams, you must refigure your team to pace the game because I think what we've learned after three weeks is you're just not good enough on defense to be able to play toe-to-toe with anybody. You mentioned Seattle's defense. Listen, they gave up 472 yards to Dak Prescott. The guy had 57 pass attempts, three touchdowns, but two picks and a fumble. Take a listen to head coach Mike McCarthy, the importance of protecting the football. Everybody's known for something, and, and we will always start and stop with the ability to take care of the football and take it away, and we haven't gotten that done the last two weeks, and uh, we, will, we, we will need to change that quickly. Uh, we're we're going to be into these battles each week. It's, it's difficult to overcome, overcome turnovers. I get it on that last pick by Prescott because he was trying to make something out of nothing. He almost got sacked. But otherwise, you do have to do a better job of protecting the football. What do you think of Mike's comments? Well, I think, you know, here's what I really have a hard problem with is, is Mike's an offensive coach. And and Mike's standing down there on the sideline like he's guard like he's Sean Connery in the Untouchables. He's like a beat <laughs> cop down there. Like seriously, Mike, you got this huge playlist. You've got it curled in your hand. Like you you won a Super Bowl calling plays. You're gonna let Kellen Moore do it for you. Like I I you know Kellen what like you're gonna let Kellen Moore because Jerry wants Kellen Moore to call the game. Like if I'm Mike McCarthy and I'm one and two and I've turned the ball over, I'm like yo Kellen, okay. You've set it up. I'm calling the fucking game. Like this is the way the game's got to get called this way, right? And we can't just let we can't we we can't walk out of a place that basically the guy gets 14 carries for 34 yards. He's our best player. We're paying him like he's the biggest guy. So he's got 14 carries and he has six receptions for 4.0. Like, this is the same offense that the Clapper was running last year. I kept bitching about it. Like, Zeke Elliott is your playmaker. Zeke Elliott is Alvin Kamara. He is the guy that you should be featuring. He's the guy that's got to get the ball. We got to run him. We got to do all sorts of things. I mean, you, we can't just let let this guy carry the ball 14 times. You're paying him $20 billion. Like, seriously. And if you're Mike McCarthy, you're going to let Kellen Moore control your destiny? 
Like seriously. And and look, I think the two things that are obvious from watching football on Sunday is the Dennis Allen, Mike Nolan combination of defense. They're way too complicated. The players break way down. There's way too many mistakes. There's way too many free touchdowns. I mean, we saw it last night with Lazard making a deep play. They're playing cover seven. They bite on this. They don't change. It's just way too hard. And I think it's going to cost them. And Dallas isn't good enough on defense. So if I'm not good enough, I got to change what I'm doing. Do you think Kellen Moore's going to change what he's doing? Of course not. He's calling plays. He's not managing the game. He's not playing complimentary football. He doesn't understand how to play complimentary football. That's the biggest problem with the National Football League and why teams can't win. Gruden was understanding how to play complimentary football. He was. He held the ball 34 minutes. He kept his shitty defense off the field. He did a really good job. When he plays against a coach who understands what he's trying to do, all of a sudden, what happened? The tables got turned. The Patriots had the ball 34 minutes, and Gruden only had it 26 minutes. Now he loses. He gets blown out. But he's trying to play complimentary football. He's trying to do it. Give him credit for that. Sometimes you run. The Cowboys ain't trying to play complimentary football. They're calling plays. They're calling plays because Kellen Moore is a genius because he's gotten three first downs called in a row. Like, seriously, Mike, stop being a beat cop and coach the goddamn team. You want a Super Bowl. Like, you got to take it over. You got to make the team. Your personality is a tough guy. Make the team a tough guy. Kellen Moore, like you said, and Boise State people loved him. All of a sudden, Jerry's in factual with him. Love the Sean Connery reference. Uh, to quote Connery in the Hunchables, here endeth the lesson. Let's move on to the Lions. Mike, they finally won a game, 11-game road losing streak. They beat the Cardinals and Kyler Murray, 26-23. to Matthew Stafford threw two touchdown passes. Matt Prater makes a 39-yard field goal. And perhaps shockingly, they actually won a game against Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Take a listen to Matt Patricia postgame as he credits the players for the win. You know, really proud of the players. Uh, give all the credit to them. They came out and, and really played hard. I think they tried to execute uh, to the best of their ability. We obviously played a great Cardinals team. Uh, you know, everybody knows how explosive they are. Everyone knows how, uh, you know, dynamic they are on defense. But I think our guys just, um, you know, had a great determination today to, to come out and play well. It's a long season. we got a lot of work to do. But uh, really, you know, a lot, of, a lot of just great plays out there. Guys just really trying to do everything they could to help the team win. So No one would ever deny Matthew Stafford doesn't have a strong arm, doesn't have a big arm. 22 of 31, 272 touchdowns. Detroit finally wins on the road. Yeah, big win for Detroit. You know, look, they played them really well last year out there, and they they gave up the fourth quarter lead. This time, you know, Kyler Murray throws three picks, and they can't, you know, and and they did a good job of containing him. I mean, they got one sack on him, but they didn't allow him to make those explosive plays down the field. The longest gain of the day was 30 yards. And then Galladay's back, which even though he didn't have a great day, caught a touchdown pass. You know, he only averaged 9-5, but they had, you know, give them credit at least. You know, they tried to have some balance in what they did. They knew that if they kept giving them too many chances at the plate, you know, they were going to be. The Lions are 4-12 on third down, 33% and win the game. You know, and they can, but they controlled the ball 32 minutes. Again, when you're not good on defense, what do you do? Play less defense. And that's what the Lions did. They played 32 minutes of offense. They controlled it, and they were able to go down it. Now, they're, they're lucky as shit because they get down to the red zone six times or two for six in the red zone. Think about that. You win the game, you're two for six in the red zone. The game shouldn't have been as close as it was. They're 0 for 2 in goal to goal. I mean, they're 0 for 2 in goal to goal. So there's a lot of room for improvement with Detroit, but it's a great win for them. Take, you know, they fought. The team hasn't left Patricia. You know, they haven't lost it. Whereas Dan Quinn's team, I think, you know, they have no confidence that he can help them win a close game. You know, part of this whole thing is you got to look at your coach. And on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, he's got to tell you and sell you on how we're going to win the game. And then on Sunday, when the game starts, he's got to sell you on how he's going to execute that winning. Unfortunately, you know, Dan Quinn hasn't been able to prove that to him. And McCarthy took over a team that was one in seven in close games. McCarthy's got to prove to the Cowboys that he understands it. And for me with the Cowboys, it's more about game planning. It's more about setting up the team to give himself a chance to win. And if he doesn't realize that Zeke Elliott is the team, then he's wrong. And it's the same thing with the Lions did. I mean, I think that's where you got to give credit. They played complimentary football yesterday, and they won the game. Speaking of Dan Quinn, he figures prominently in the weekly awards. That's next year on the GM Shuffle, including top three, bottom three in the league, three weeks in.
All right, time to hand out some hardware. The weekly awards, beginning with On the Lamb, Dan Quinn at Atlanta. The former defensive coordinator had much success in Seattle, and now as a head coach, Mike, I feel like the clock is ticking. Two blown leads of 15 points in the fourth quarter back-to-back weeks. That's inexcusable. Yeah, it really is. I mean, and, and if you're Arthur Blank, what do you do, right? You know, I'm, I'm sure they think they got really good talent in Atlanta because, you know, they could say, hey, look, you know, I mean, we have all this talent. We, we build these big leads. So it's got to be the coach's fault. It can't be the talent's fault, right? So, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? You want to make Raheem Morris the head coach? He's the defensive coordinator. He's been a head coach in the National Football League. You want to make Dirk Cotter the head coach? He's the offensive coordinator. You know, he's been a head coach in the NFL. So you've got two guys on the staff that you can do it. But the really the reality of it is 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 I don't know whatever you do you got to figure out something to build the players' confidence back. Right now there's no confidence unfortunately in Dan and he's a wonderful guy. He's a great guy. They fought back. He made the change with Raheem Morris last year on defense. They finished what six and two down the stretch. But now you know you, they should be two and one. I mean let's be real honest. They should be two and one. The Cowboys should be zero and three. The Cowboys should be zero and three. They should be two and one. You know. And, and, you know, I think if you're Arthur Blank, do you have to ask yourself, if I make this, will this make our team better? And if I don't make the change, are the players going to have any confidence? I think you reach the point where the players lose confidence. And I think if that's the case and I'm not in the locker room, then I think you have to make the change. You never cheer for anyone to lose their job. But like you said, it looks pretty ugly right now if you're a Falcons fan. I love the Fred Palermo Award. That's best game plan going into the week. You're going to give it up to the San Francisco 49ers. Like they're missing 11 guys. I mean, they were hit so hard with injuries. They're playing on that turf once again. You're going back-to-back weeks. They're at MetLife Stadium. But Mullen steps up big time. He looked comfortable, looked confident, and the 49ers win easily. Look, you know, I mean, Nick Mullen might have just got a first-round pick. I mean, somebody might offer them a second-round pick for Nick Mullen. I mean, the way he played yesterday, now I know the Giants stink. But I mean, Nick Mullins, 25 for 36, you know, he's got a 108 quarterback rating. He, you know, he threw the ball. He threw the ball to all different receivers, made some plays down the field as long as game was 26 yards to McKinnon in the back. I mean, he did a really good job. I mean, if you're the New York football Giants, and we'll talk about this in, in another segment, if you're the New York football Giants, you know, and, and you're, and you just lost that game to their B team, to their B team, seriously. What do you do? If you're John Mara, and, I, and, and I'm so tired of hearing that, you know, it's Gettleman. Look, uh, let's be real clear. John Mara, wonderful human being, one of the nicest men you'll ever meet in your life. But he's running the team. He's not a football man. I know he was born into a football family, but he's running the team. They haven't changed the front office. They still have Kevin Abrams sitting over there. They got Gettleman. They haven't really changed what they're doing, right? And they, they invested in Daniel Jones. But let's be real clear here. They've won 12 games since 2017, 12 games. They are 12 and 39 for, I think, a 23% winning percentage. Is that good, AD? I'm, I'm not sure. Is that good? <laughs> I mean, this is the worst era of giant football ever. And to lose to the B team of the 49ers, not to just lose, but to get, to get destroyed. You're never in the game. Basically, you had the ball 20 minutes in the game. You know, now, let's, can we take something else here while we're here? I mean, at some point, when do we now we know Jason Garrett's smart because he went to Princeton, but at some point, when are we going to talk about how bad the Giants offense is by design? How bad is it? They've got 15 carries in the game against the 49ers. They get 66 yards. Right? Daniel Jones has got 32 attempts and they can't get anything down. They're four, they're they're four for four for four for ten on third down. I mean, seriously. And then the Giants on defense, they allow Nick Mullen to be eight for twelve on third down. And so that's why they have the ball 39 minutes and 44 seconds. You can't get off the field on third down. Like at some point, if you're John Mara, you got to say to yourself, seriously, this is the last, since 17, we've won 12 games. It ain't just because the coach is bad. Something's wrong organizationally and it's got to change. My hat's off to the 49ers. That was a great, great. And But, I, you know, you should have expected it from Kyle Shannon because he's a really good coach. All right, let's segue them from Shanahan to continue the theme there about New York. If you don't know, now you know is the award. The main takeaway from this week of football, to your point, not only with the Giants and, and just coordinators, football in New York right now. I mean, thank God the Yankees are in the playoffs and the baseball playoffs throughout this week. Football in New York, 28-74 and 74 since 2017. 
I mean, Jimmy Hoffa is not buried in the Meadowlands, but I, I mean, you might want to exhume some bodies and do some sort of a seance because the football here is unwatchable. Local TV, Mike, in North Jersey. If I don't go to Buffalo Wild Wings, I got to watch the Giants and the Jets. That's painful. Oh, it's horrible. It's like when I was in college, uh, when I was at Hofstra, you know, we get we would get the Giants at one or the Jets at one and we get the Giants or Jets at four. It was like you were you were in hell and both teams were terrible. <laughs> both teams were horrible, you know? And so it was like, that's why, you know, and so, it, it, you know, you got to go to Buffalo Wild Wings, you know? You should go to Biggie's too. Biggie's is another place you need to go to. My man, Corey will take care of you. Biggie's right there by the Meadowlands. He'll get the whole spread, anything you like, you know, anything you like. <laughs> You can order any sandwich you like at Biggie's. But my point here is uh, at some point, you know, th- this is truly, it's New York, New York fighting for the the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. It, 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 they're in it. Denver's in it too now. Denver's in it right there with them. I mean, Denver, ain't, we, got the, we got the Trevor Lawrence game coming up this Thursday night. That ought to be a beauty, right? You know, the Jets versus Denver. I mean, that's a, that's the Trevor Lawrence game. Trevor should do the coin toss. May should fly him up from Clemson. <laughs> I mean, but... I'm not kidding. I mean, you don't. Th- I mean, you don't think the Giants or the Jets are competing for Trevor Lawrence? I mean, how are the Jets going to win three games? Forget about four. How are the Giants going to win? They lost to the fucking B team of the 49ers. and they lost. They and they didn't lose by a little bit. Like, and here's what's crazy about this: there were people betting on the Giants. Like the Giants moved that line. There was so much money coming in on the Giants. That line was moving. Like the books heated up. Like here's here's what's unbelievable about the books, right? So on my, on Saturday, I go into Vison at the Borgata and I sit down at my at my little place there and I and I look at the and I look at the board and I look at my sheet. Okay, Saturday at ten o'clock. Here's what here's what I saw. Seattle. 16% of the money was coming in on Seattle. Green Bay, 10% of the money. Tampa Bay had 3% of the money. Detroit had 8% of the money. Cincinnati, 15% of the money. Minnesota, 1% of the money. San Francisco, 11% of the money. Houston, 16% of the money. And Kansas City at that time, 13%. Now, you know what what we have in common with that? If you would have just gone in and played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of those games and taken the lowest money total, you would be seven and one. You would have been seven and one. You would have been seven and one. So what does that tell us as betters, as football people, that nobody knows anything? When all the money's coming in on San Francisco, on, on, on the Giants, this is why the books have these incredible venues. This is why the Borgata's got an outdoor pool, you know, and this is why they got all this, the, the amenities. Seriously, think about that, A.D., yeah, it's kind of shocking when the gambling goes like that because you're right. People betting on the Giants, I mean, that's just painful. Uh, let's go to why did we win? Unleashing Russell Wilson. I remember working at ESPN, Mike, I'm doing Sports Center, and Russell Wilson was doing the, what they call the car wash. He was going on all the different shows. And so I was doing the top 10 plays, and Russell was going to do it with me after I interviewed him. And I said, hey, I hope your sports knowledge is okay. Like the plays are, you know, hockey, baseball. It's kind of all over the place. And he looked at me. He's a very nice guy. He looked at me with this very self-assured look in his face and said, I'll be fine. I think of that all the time. The way he said, I'll be fine. Because he went from this guy who you said, and by the way, I'm 5'8". He's not much taller than I am. He's 5'10", 5'10 and a half. He went from this guy who people are like, okay, he's kind of a, not necessarily a game manager, but hey, you got Marshawn Lynch. You got the Legion of Boom. Great defense. Russell Wilson will make plays when he needs to, but he doesn't have to win the game. And now that's gone. That's wiped at the window. Now he is the engine of the entire team. Now he is this high-octane, prolific offensive player and unleashing Wilson is your why did we win? Seattle realizes, as you said earlier, their defense actually isn't very good. Like you felt the Cowboys come in that last charge. No Jamal Adams. Watch out, Seattle. They're in trouble. But Wilson is nothing short of spectacular. Nothing short of spectacular. I mean, he's unbelievable. Last year, last year when they were playing, uh, when when they were going on, they were the 27th ranked team in the first half in terms of their play selection. They ran the ball so much, right? You know, they ran the ball more than they threw it. And this year, and this year, right now, they are they are in the top five of run, throwing the ball in the first half. I mean, they've only run the ball 76 times in three games. They've thrown it 112 times, right? 
And so, you know, and they averaged 7.76 on those, on those throws. And, you know, you can say, well, they're running it, you know, but they, they are truly remarkable in how they've changed. And I think they had a change because they can't stop anybody. I mean, we know they can't stop anybody, you know? And so because they can't, they can't stop anybody, it's a real issue, you know? And so, and, and, and the key is, you know, right now, New England's the number one team in the rush percentage in the first half, right? The number one team in the rush percentage. How about this? Seattle is 24th in rush percentage in the first half, 24th. Their passing percentage, they rank, they are in the first half, they're the ninth best, they they throw the ball the most. Now, here's who throws it more than runs it in the first half. Cincinnati, Houston, Philly, Denver, Arizona, KC, Washington, Dallas. Now, most of those teams are throwing it more in the first half because they get behind. But the reality of it is, is Seattle's changed who they are. So that's the story when it comes to Russell Wilson. Now it's time for the top three and bottom three. So top three, we'll get to yours in a sec, Mike. I'm not going to include Baltimore KC. And don't worry, we're going to talk about the Monday Nighter in just a second. We were both going to have Seattle. Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers is back. They're 3-0. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're 3-0 as well. So I want to give them a little bit of love. They're in there. I know Tennessee's 3-0. So is Buffalo as well. But I'm going to go Seattle, Green Bay, and Pittsburgh. A little bit of love there to the Steelers. And the bottom three, listen, it's almost too easy. You and I both said the Jets and the Giants are no-brainers. Houston's 0-3. Billy O'Brien's getting killed. Minnesota's 0-3, which I'm stunned by. But I'm going to include on my bottom three the Falcons because it's inexcusable that they're 0-3. As you said, they should be 2-1. I'm going to go Jets, Giants, Atlanta, my bottom three. How about your top three and bottom three? Well, I mean, if I take Baltimore and KC out of it, obviously Seattle's got to be in the top three. Uh, I think Seattle's a re- really, you know, I think Seattle's got some liability to them, but Buffalo's in the top three, the way they've played and the way they've been able to win. And I'll go Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh dominated the second half yesterday. Uh, Houston only had 15 run run plays in there. They dominated what they needed to do. So it was a good win. So I would go. And then to me, the bottom three are New York, New York. I mean, you can write them in there all the time. They are definitely in the bottom. And, and and I and I kind of agree with you, Atlanta. I don't see Atlanta really winning. You know, as we go over the games of the week, you know, when you look over the like like let's just take the Raiders real quick. I mean the Raiders, I think what people have to understand, if you want to know why John Gruden doesn't like Derek Carr. Now he's never said this, but if you want to suspect that he doesn't like Derek Carr, watch the Patriot game. Watch the Patriot game. That's all the reasons why he doesn't like Derek Carr. Because when the play breaks down, when there's really nothing there, when the coverages are a little dirty and he holds the ball or throws it out of bounds, he was three for nine on third down, they can't win. That is why. When it doesn't go perfect for Gruden, that's why Gruden doesn't like Derek Carr. And then last night, you know, I love Chris Collinsworth. He's one of the nicest guys I've ever worked with. But for him to come on the TV and say that, you know, this nonsense that Drew Brees can't throw the ball down the field is really, you know, is really, is really hard. I mean, it was almost like they were discrediting my column on Brees. Math doesn't lie. I mean, I married an accountant. She's taught me that for 35 years. Math doesn't lie, right? The math doesn't lie with Drew Brees. He doesn't throw the ball down the field. Now, if you don't mind it and you have Kamara who can break 22 tackles and leap tall buildings in a single bound, that's great. But the reality of it is, is you're going to play against good coordinators in this league and you are going to have to throw the ball down the field. It's why it's why Aaron Rodgers is so good this year. He's throwing the thing up the field. He wasn't doing that last year. He was taking checkdowns. You can't take checkdowns. You want to watch a game on what not to do on a two-minute drive? Watch the Chargers two-minute drive against the, the Panthers. Check down, check down, check down, check down, check down. They don't have any timeouts. And they got a they got a penalty which got them in field goal, which got them in there. And they had a great hook and ladder call that that they didn't get it in, or else they would have won that game. It would have been an unbelievable game. But seriously, this is why. You can discredit that he can't throw the ball down the field because you want to play up to Drew Brees. Watch the tape. Look at the numbers. 1,400 passes since 2000 in the last four years. Less than 10% have traveled over 20 yards. It's a hard way to win games. 
It's well said. I do like Chris Collinsworth. How about the nepotism? Jack Collinsworth with him there as well. So yeah, the dead ringer for his dad, like father, like son. Uh, Monday Night Football, Mike, this is the game of the year. I mean, uh, Steve Levy's going to be fired up tonight. KC's 2-0, Baltimore's 2-0. Their last meeting, September 22nd of last year, the Chiefs won at 33-28. I mean, honestly, 8-15 Eastern tonight, we're going to be stuck in our keisters watching this game. Lamar Jackson versus Patrick Mahomes. I know all the focus is going to be on the quarterbacks, but as you mentioned on Thursday's episode, Episode. And for all you listening, yes, we're twice a week now, Mondays and Thursdays. Follow us not only on Instagram, but also Twitter at the GM Shuffle, M Lombardi NFL, and Adnan Esferk. But you said look out for the kickers. That's going to be the key tonight, right? I do. I think it's going to affect play calling. I think, you know, it's 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 going to be a nice day in the East. It's a little humid today, so it'll be the humidity. I think the fourth quarter is going to be key you know, in terms of these players because the humidity is kind of summertime-ish here on the East Coast today. So we'll see. But I do think the kickers are going to be key. I think that you're going to have to play that in your play calling. And I think if you know that going in, you can adapt your play calling to it. You know, it's a little bit like Doug Peterson. You know, look, we're at a 58-yarder. I got to adapt my play calling to make sure I get this right. He obviously didn't feel that way. But I, I think you definitely have to do that. So, uh, yeah, I think it'll be a great game. I, I, I like Baltimore. I was told Saturday at the Borgata, I always ask about, like, you know, it, what, what people don't realize about the betting market, the betting market is never really handled by money. It's handled by who the face, who's making the bets. That's what scares the books more than anything. When a guy who knows what he's doing makes a bet. And there's this one guy who's not allowed to bet. He was in prison named Billy Walters, but he's now out of prison. He got involved with that Phil Mickelson thing. He got sentenced, but he's out there. And some people think he's, you know, he's still working. He's the number one sports gambler in football. If you want to watch a 60 minutes documentary on him, you can go to YouTube. It's up there. Guy's a brilliant, brilliant better. But, you know, every week I ask the, my guy Thomas over at the Borgata, is Bill, are you hearing anything from Billy? Not that he can bet, but, you know, maybe he has somebody around him. All over Baltimore tonight. All over Baltimore. He The line was at three. Supposedly, he put a huge bet in, moved it to three and a half, Baltimore. I think Baltimore might be the better team, at least tonight, because I think Baltimore's finally healthy on defense. Last time they played, Baltimore wasn't. Can't wait to watch this game tonight. I'll also be watching Stanley Cup Final Game 6. The Lightning are up 3-2 on the Stars. A new episode of Cinephile coming up this week. I reviewed the first two episodes of Fargo with Chris Rock playing the lead. Fantastic as a tough gangster from the 1950s. And I want to close with this note, Mike. As you know, the baseball players begin this week. I'm very fired up. I love baseball history. Shoeless Joe Jackson. How about sockless Steven Guskowski? The Titans veteran kicker, 36 years old. He got off to a wobbly start in week one. He botched an extra point week too. He took his sock off and had six pivotal field goals. The Titans 31-30 over the Vikings. They're undefeated. Sockless Steven Guskowski. I love it. I love it. I do. And you know, you need to review just for the, just maybe for GM Shuffle, you need to review the Jeffrey McDonald, those three episodes that are up there. I think it's Air of Judgment. Nice. I think you need to review that. And, and you need to review Fargo because I, I'm going to watch Fargo as well. I love it. Uh, keep the reviews coming for all of us. Go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you so much for all the support. As always, you can follow Mike's work also with The Athletic and with VEASAN. You can follow us both on Twitter and Instagram. We will talk to you this Thursday.